Last week we began to consider the essential doctrine of rewards. And we found that the Bible makes it clear that our salvation is not a reward. Eternal life is not a reward. It's a gift of God's grace that's received by faith and faith alone. The, the Bible is, is very clear on that. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot maintain our salvation. Salvation is wholly and fully the work of God. It is a free gift when you believe what God says about his son, Jesus Christ. Now, after we are saved, we are told that we are called to serve the Lord. We're not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works. And we can now know and do the will of God because we're saved, because we receive the divine nature of God. We are the children of God. And so therefore, we now have what we didn't have before we were saved, and that's the ability to know the will of God and to do the will of God. And then we find out that we're called to serve him, to, to do his will, simply to obey his loving instruction in the word of God, to share this same gospel with others, and then to understand and to live by the sound instruction that he gives us for our daily life, our, our daily choices, our relationships, every aspect of our life, we are given loving instructions on how we should live in a way that brings glory to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's doing the will of God. That's doing his service, doing his work. We're called to do that as his children. We have the privilege and the ability to do that. But then God goes on to say, that he will reward his children for that kind of service. Now, every child of God has the same ability to know and to do the will of God. Every single one. That's the love of God. He doesn't love one of his children more than another. But not all of his children take advantage of the provision of God's grace for his children. In other words, not every Christian who was genuinely born again through faith in Jesus Christ, not every child of God goes on to grow spiritually and to mature. Not all of God's children are characterized by godliness, by doing the will of God, by obeying his loving instruction. And that, that's pretty clear as you look at Christians or, or, uh, throughout uh, history and in our own society today. And the confusion, if, if you don't understand rewards, there are many Christians that say, well, if, if someone after they're saved doesn't do what they're supposed to as a Christian, then they either were never saved in the first place, or they lost their salvation. Those are two erroneous doctrines that people come to when they don't understand rewards. We are eternally saved once you put your faith in Jesus Christ. We are forever a child of God. We have a home in heaven that will never change. But as children of God, there is the consequence of losing the promise of reward in eternity. Every child of God has eternal life, but as we're going to continue this study of rewards, we see we have the privilege to add to that inheritance, to receive a reward. And Lord willing, in our next lesson, we'll consider some specific rewards that are listed in, in Scripture. But we are set apart, we are saved in order now to do the will of God. And then God says, if you do my will, which we can only do by his grace, by his empowering, by his 
the, the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us and enables us, if we will surrender our will to the will of God, he says he'll reward us on top of that. That's just the added grace of God. And so we began to look at this, this truth about God rewarding faithful service. Now, it doesn't take a lot of investigation, a lot of observation to understand that there are many degrees of faithfulness among God's people. And we discovered that the Bible teaches that God will promise that our reward will be according to our labor, each one according to his labor, we read last week. And that, so that means that rewards are very much an individual thing. We're not, as a congregation, we're not promised a reward. But as individuals, each of us doing what God has called us to do, we're promised this, uh, this promise of reward. Let's go to Romans 10 and verse 17, so that we understand that when we talk about faithfulness, continually doing the will of God, being faithful to do what he's asked us to do in his word, we need to understand that faithfulness is the direct result of faith. And then we have to ask ourselves, where does faith come from? Well, we are not left to to try to figure that out. We're told where faith comes from in Romans 10 and verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing. But hearing what? Hearing by the word of God. There are a lot of people that talk about faith today within Christendom. They talk about faith for this, faith for that. Faith only comes from knowing the word of God, what God reveals to be true in his word. And the only way we can know that is to hear it or to read it and to know what the Bible says. What, what is the will of God? And then faith is a matter of taking God at his word. God says this. It's true. I believe it. And because I believe it, now I'm going to live my life according to that. I'm going to let what God revealed to be right and true to govern my every action, how I talk, my relationships, my associations. According to what God says to be right and good for me and that brings him glory, that's what I'm going to do. I believe it. And so the more faith you have, the more faithful you will be, the more of the scriptures that you know and that you apply to your life, the more faithful you will be. It's just, it's just kind of an automatic process once you take God at his word. Jesus in Matthew 13, for time's sake, we won't turn there, but if you're jotting down scriptures in Matthew 13 and 23, Jesus talks about that seed that is his word, and sometimes it brings forth a harvest, a hundredfold, every seed producing what it was planted to, to produce, some 60 and some 30. So there we see clearly that God's word can have different degrees of harvest of producing faithfulness in our life. The size of the harvest depends on how much of the seed of the word of God takes root in your life. Some people in some areas, they say, well, yeah, I'm going to do that according to the Bible. But this, well, the Bible says this about this relationship and says that it's sin, but but it feels so right. And so I think for my situation, I think the Bible's wrong here, and I'm going to choose this. Well, where they choose to believe God, they're going to benefit from it. They're going to be faithful in that area. But where they reject, they're going to be unfaithful. And, and there's consequences for unfaithfulness in doing the will of God as his servant, as his children. 
So the greater that we yield every area of our life, the greater our faithfulness will be and the greater our reward. Some Christians are just satisfied. And again, it's pretty easy to do a little investigation to see whether this these truths really hold up among God's people. But there are some Christians that are just happy to know they're going to heaven. I'm saved. But they do not let any other instruction in the word of God govern their life. They continue to live like they lived before they were saved. They continue to talk like they did before they were saved. But they know they're going to heaven because they've trusted Jesus as their Savior. The Bible talks about those that are saved yet so as by fire. We read that last week. That's an interesting description, isn't it? They're saved, clearly, and yet everything else, all the other works in their life are burned up because they did not yield those parts of their life to their loving Savior. Then the Bible talks about an abundant entrance. Peter talks about an abundant entrance. So you see there's different degrees of reward based on the many different degrees of faithfulness. There are those spiritually mature individuals that are willing to make any sacrifice necessary for their own spiritual growth and to provide opportunity for others to know Jesus and to to grow and to mature. Whatever sacrifice is necessary, whether it's financial or, or any other sacrifice, they're willing to do it. That's because the Word of God is producing in them a harvest of a hundredfold. They believe that everything that God has for them in their life is good and right, and so they yield to it. And so because of the many different degrees, and there's many different degrees between those two, saved as by fire and then the abundant entrance, there's many different degrees of faithfulness between those two and many different degrees of reward. Jesus in Matthew 6, again, if you just want to jot it down, verses 19 to 21, Matthew six nineteen to 21, Jesus encourages his disciples to lay up treasure on the other side. So clearly we have the opportunity as God's children to add to our eternal inheritance. Every child of God has the inheritance of eternal life and a home in heaven. That's based on what Jesus did on the cross. It has nothing to do with your faithfulness in this life. It has everything to do with the faithfulness of Jesus Christ to pay the debt of your sin. But we have now the responsibility to live a life that honors the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we can add, lay up treasures on the other side. Not every child of God takes advantage of that. Let's do look at Second John and verse 8, so that you can see clearly that we're on scriptural ground when we talk about there's different rewards for different degrees of faithfulness. Second John, verse 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. John is talking about the promise of a full reward for those that continue in truth, those that resist the false doctrine that that John warned against, that Paul warned against. If you resist giving in to false doctrine, false teaching, and false conduct, there'll be a full reward. So we see that there, there is that ultimate, and, and as we continue the series, we'll, we'll see what that, that pinnacle reward is. Always remembering, as we had last week, the only motive for wanting these rewards, it's not competition. It's not demanding compensation. 
God, I did this. You owe me now. God doesn't owe us anything. But by his grace, he's provided everything. The only motivation that will be rewarded, a full reward, is that of love. Because you love Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus die for you? Why did he give the full sacrifice? Because he loved you. Because he knew you needed a Savior. And the only way that could take place was through a mediator that would pay the price of sin. One who was without sin. Jesus was the only one that could fulfill that responsibility. And he loved me enough to lay down his life for me. Why, why would I be the kind of Christian I need to be? Oh, because, because the preacher's all the time yelling at me, telling me what to do, and because my parents, because of this or that. No, the only way that I'm going to live a godly life is because I've fallen in love with Jesus Christ. That's our motivation. He first loved us, and therefore we have the privilege and opportunity to love him. But then understand, because there's sacrifice involved, and sometimes that life of faithfulness is a difficult life to live. But when you understand, God says, I'll be with you. You'll never suffer anything alone. I'll supply exactly what you need to do my will. In every case, in every situation, I will supply what you need in the moment. And then know that this present suffering is not worthy to be compared. So when you know the doctrine of rewards, it'll, it'll first of all, it'll keep you from falling into error. But it will also encourage you to understand this is the best kind of life to live, and the best is yet to come. In Philippians 4 and verse 17, Paul wrote the Philippians, and he talked about their faithfulness to support him and the preaching of the gospel, that it would be fruit that would abound to their account. Again, talking about laying up treasure on the other side, spiritual eternal treasure. I mentioned Second Peter 1, where Peter talks about an abundant entrance for those that are faithful to do the will of God, to continue to grow spiritually. And, and this is a process your entire life, however long or short it may be. This life is, is simply a preparation for eternity. And if we will learn to yield our will to the will of God as revealed in the word of God, there'll be reward on the other side that can never be lost. All your treasures that we're stacking up here in this life, <laughs> you're going to leave it. It's going to be burned up one day. Don't make your life all about accumulating as much wealth as you can on this planet. It quickly passes, sometimes in this life, but always at the end of life, this natural life. But the treasure that we're storing up on the other side through faithful living, that will never fail. It will never pass. We need to ask ourselves also when these rewards are given, because some people say that Godly living, because many teach that every Christian is going to have the same inheritance and the same reward in heaven, because God, that's just how God does things. Everyone will have the same place in glory in heaven and have the same inheritance. The Bible does not teach that. But those that, that, that believe that everyone has the same place in heaven, they say that the reward of godly living is only in this life. And there are rewards for living godly in this, this life. But Jesus said, lay up treasures where? In heaven. And so these are the spiritual eternal rewards that the Bible teaches. It's, it's not just about this life. If we focus only on this life, we lose sight of God's eternal purpose for us. In 1 John 3, and again, if you're just jotting down scriptures, verses 20 to 22, we do see that there is a reward 
of the promise of answered prayer in this life if we will live a godly life. Answered prayer really is a promise only to those that are faithful, that are doing the will of God. Now, as I always say, that doesn't mean that God doesn't answer the prayers of carnal Christians, because I believe he does and has. But the promise of answered prayer is given to those whose hearts do not condemn them. In other words, those that are doing the will of God, that are living faithfully. So that's certainly a reward in this life. I'm glad for the privilege of answered prayer. In this congregation, we've had many prayers answered. And we thank God for that. And it's the result of those that are willing to live according to the will of God. Revelation 14 and verse 13, we're told that the works of God's people follow them. Revelation 14, 13. And so the rewards that we're talking about are given after we die, after we've lived our life. And then also in Revelation 22 and verse 12, we read that when Jesus comes, he brings his reward with him. So this is when the rewards are given that we're talking about. It's after we've lived our life and at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that we must each one receive the things that are done in the body according to what has been done. In other words, we can't know what the reward is until we're done with this body, until all of the works that we're going to do in this life are done. Romans 14 and verse 10, the judgment seat of Christ. In the Bible, we read of these two thrones of judgment. One is the great white throne judgment that we find in the book of Revelation. And only the unsaved, only those that have rejected the gift of eternal life will appear before the great white throne of judgment. And the end of that judgment, all will be cast into the lake of fire, the eternal just wrath of God. But for believers, we're told that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the question before that judgment is not whether we go to heaven or hell. That question's already settled for the child of God. But our works will be judged. How we lived our life as a child of God. Did we take advantage of all the privileges that we've been given as a Christian, as a child of God? And so our works will be judged. And that's where we read some are going to be saved yet so as by fire because they lived a life of carnality and selfishness with no regard to what was pleasing to the Lord. So all of their works will be burned up. But the works of those that survive the, the fire of judgment, they will receive a reward. That's what the Bible teaches. And so in Romans 14.10, it says we must all, we shall all stand before the judgment seat. Romans 14.12 says we shall give an account of ourselves to God. So that's all future after this life. Let's go to Colossians 2 and verse 18. Let's read this. To understand that the Christian can lose his reward. They cannot lose their eternal life. That's a gift. You can't lose the gift. It's yours forever. But every child of God has the same opportunity to, to receive a full reward. Same opportunity. But if you choose to live a life in disobedience to God's instruction, you can lose that reward. And this is what we read in Paul's exhortation to the Colossians in verse 18 of chapter 2, Colossians 2.18. 
Let no one cheat you of your reward. It's there for your taking, but don't let someone take it from you, deceive you, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, doing all those things that are contrary to God's instruction. We're to live a life of humility. We're only to believe what God has revealed to be true, not traditions, not theories, but what God says to be true. Satan cheats us when he distracts us from doing the will of God, from knowing the will of God, and from applying it to our life. Let's read in Revelation 3.11, another warning that rewards can be lost. And this is, again, why it's so important to know these doctrines, because some people, when they read about losing things, they say, oh, well, a Christian can lose their salvation. No, the subject in these passages are rewards, not eternal life, not salvation. In Revelation 3.11, it says, behold, Jesus says, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Do you realize you have to let someone or something take your crown? As a child of God, you have everything you need to have God's best in this life and eternity. Everything. But when you let someone influence you into disobedience to God's word, to sin, to carnality, to selfishness, you let them take your crown. No one can take it from you. Satan can't take your crown from you, your reward. Oh, he's powerful. I understand that. But no one can take your crown from you except for you in your own unbelief. When you let someone else influence you into disobedience, let no man take your crown. <clears throat> so unfaithfulness results in the loss of reward. When God has offered you his best, Lord willing, next week we're going to look at some specific rewards that are given to us in Scripture. But we need to understand that this is presented to us as his children. Stop and think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He didn't die on the cross just to save you from hell, just to protect you from the just wrath of God. That is an enormous gift of God's grace. But what we will continue to find out is that Jesus died that I might sit in the throne with him, that I might rule and reign with him for eternity. He wants me to have his best. He wants every one of God's children to have God's best, not only in this life, which again, the rewards start right now, but the best is yet to come. I want to win Christ as my bridegroom. I want to have God's best in eternity. I want to sit right next to him in eternity. Why? Not so I can say, look at me. Look at what I accomplished. As we will continue in this series, those that receive the crowns in heaven, we see them doing what with those crowns? Oh, they put them in their living room in a trophy case, and everybody who comes into their mansion, look what I did. What do they do with those crowns that they won? They throw them at the feet of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it was only the love and the mercy and the sacrifice and the grace of Jesus Christ that they were able to win those crowns. But because they loved Jesus with all of their heart, they served him. They sought the scripture. What's God's will for my life? How am I to conduct myself? How am I to think? How am I to talk? What relationships should be take priority in my life? 
And then God will, by his grace, show you those things. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll enable you to do those things. And then he says, on top of it, I'll reward you. That's the grace of God. Do you love him this morning? Let's serve him. We know he's going to do his part. Let's just love him and serve him in a way that honors him. Let's have a song. In closing, we'll stand as we sing.